Annette Carlisle, mom of three creative boys from Amarillo, Texas, passionate advocate for education, host of the informative Annette on Education podcast, has a long history of involvement in education, governance, and building community. A 19-year member of Amarillo ISD Board of Trustees, Annette now serves in her second term on the board of Amarillo College. The college has garnered national attention based on its poverty reduction that grew out of Panhandle 2020, funded and led by Annette for 12 years. An evolutionary biologist, Annette focuses on system-level change and often on slow change over time. I'm Jessica, and this is Duct Tape Rocket Ship: Changing How Parents Help Out Our Public Schools. In this episode, we're talking about the importance of the public schools and education to our children in society, the urgency to eliminate poverty among college students, and the impact to their lives. The much-needed improvements in our school system, and more importantly, her thoughts on the big question: What is school for? Hi, Annette. Hello. Thank you for meeting me for this interview. I am so excited to be here and talk about education with you, Jessica. Oh, thank you. I'm a big fan of yours. So you've listened to my podcasts? Yes, I did. I actually started from the beginning. I didn't listen to all of them.、Um, yeah, but I have a rough idea what、sure. you are doing, what you care about, what you work on.、Um, yeah, definitely listened to the most recent one, the one that you both, you and Maria, is it Maria? Maria. Yeah. Maria. Yeah. yeah. Both of you inter- with Seth. Yeah, with Seth Godin. That was fun. That was good. Yeah, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. That was a success. <laughs> I I like it, and I thought Seth, and of course Maria, but、um, Seth had some really wonderful, poignant, simple things to say about education and learning. So, as a start of my interview, I always ask my guest this question:、um, What is your educational experience? With any system, you know, it doesn't have to be like a public school if、sure. it's a homeschooled. Because I wanted to know your personal experience. Well, I grew up in a small town called Borger, Texas, which is about an an hour from Amarillo, Texas, where I currently live. I didn't know I'd end up back in this area, but we have, and we really love it.、Uh, but it was just small town Texas public schools.、Um, Grade school, middle school, or junior high—whatever you know—it was kind of both at the same time when I was there. High school, and then I—I I was always going to go to college, even though I'm a first-generation college graduate. My parents didn't graduate from college, but my brothers both did. My older brothers, <clears throat> so it was always an expectation to go to college. I went to Texas Tech University, which is in Lubbock, about two hours from Amarillo. I I graduated with my undergraduate in zoology in three years, and then I did my master's degree, same place, studying bats and genetics. And then I went off to University of Houston to work on my PhD, 
And I'm one of those all but dissertation uh, PhD students because my husband was in medical school at the time. He finished up. I wasn't quite through. And we started having babies and moved off. And that's okay. <laughs> wow. Do you finish the uh, PhD program? No, I did not. But I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today if I had finished it because I would have felt obligated to use my PhD research background. And what I've done is apply that to the community. So I feel like I've probably had more impact and been more successful in my efforts by doing this. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm happy. Absolutely. <laughs> I can relate to that too. I, I was a stay-at-home mom. That's uh, we, We've raised three boys through this, you know, public ed system here. They've all gone off, you know, to college or to live somewhere else or both. And um, a couple of them are home right now because of COVID and California fires and things, but I'm not sure they'll stay for much longer. Yeah. COVID has slowed all of us down. It's it certainly had a great impact on the learning on the school system. Uh, I have a nine and a five-year-old. They both are in the public schools right now. And I think it's particularly challenging for the kindergartner because they haven't oh, yeah. Yeah, started the routines. They, they haven't had it form the habit of learning, following the directions and the instructions and all that. So are they learning virtually right now? Yes. Wow. A kindergartner. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how I would keep a room full of, or a virtual classroom full of kindergartners interested for more than a few minutes oh my on a Zoom call. Yeah. Yeah. It's everyday challenge. It is. And yeah. challenge for the parents as well, obviously. Yeah, I understand that you have been working in the school system for 25 years, 26 years now? As, as a volunteer, I, I started again, like you, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I started getting involved in PTA and in the local schools. And then I ran for the school board. And so 25 years ago, I was elected to the school board in Amarillo, where I served for 19 years. Wow. Uh, I then decided to run for the community college board, which I've served on for six years. And as of May 1st, I will either be reelected to another term or I won't. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope I am. So because I, I, I love the service. It's been an honor to serve. But it's really opened my eyes to the process to all the interconnected parts, both the legislative, uh, as well as just, you know, your, your parents down the street, your neighbors down the street, the folks you meet in the grocery store who have questions about their children's schools. So yeah. all those things work together. And these are volunteer positions, is that correct? Correct. For those services, yes, those are all volunteer positions. Um, and, and because of that work, and the exposure to all the different schools across the community, um, I really started analyzing my background science and um, started analyzing the community and the projections and the demographic changes. So I started a collective impact effort here called Panhandle 2020. Yeah. Uh, it's dormant now. And when we named it almost 20 years ago, 2020 seemed like a long time. <laughs> From now and now it's passed and good riddance, right? Um, yeah. 
but but really to try to work to pull the systems together because K-12, you know, our public ed system, and I am a big believer in public ed and we can get into that. They're disconnected from our community colleges. Sorry about that. From our community colleges and from our four-year institutions and they're all different systems. So we've really tried to grow a system of alignment here as well as recognizing that families have life outside of school and have challenges outside of school. So a big focus on challenges of poverty in our community. I see. Wow. I'm going to pick up the book I just dropped because I want to show it to you. Okay. One of the books that I would, that I've read and really enjoyed learning from, uh, especially as my time as a school board member is one called reclaiming public education by reclaiming our democracy by David Matthews. Okay. And David is the um, executive director of the Kettering Foundation. And there's lots of really good information about how civic life and public life, you know, or civic life and schools and education are so intertwined for our, the strength of our democracy. And I really believe he's he's right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the concerns in the public schools, so from what I have observed from the PTA, from the silent majority in the school community, and from the way our school make decisions, are these questions. Where are the voices really? And how can we be more inclusive? Well, I think parents are hugely important in public schools. I think public schools are hugely important in our society. Let's just back up and start there because they give, they should be able to give every child in our community an opportunity to succeed. Not all students start at the same, with the same opportunities that my kids did. Um, They just don't. But the great equalizer is education. And, and we've got to build equitable systems so all our students can be successful. And that's really why I got involved in the work I do is because I saw that not everybody's kids had an advocate at the same level I did. So we needed to build strong systems to support all students, to support all families. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. And that. I wanted to understand what's the most important change that happened for you? Well, in our community, you know, some of the good things that have happened is some of the work that we've done really focused on the issues of of poverty and educational attainment, alignment of systems have spread beyond Amarillo. Uh, Amarillo College has really embraced this work and really built systems of support for low-income students. And so those have gone national. Uh, I'm on some other boards, including the Hope Center board out of Philadelphia with Dr. Sarah Goldrick-Robb, who's really known in this space as as the leader around uh, equity and driving change and policy change to support low-income students who are college students who are food and housing insecure. And so a lot of the work we've done here has grown and expanded and impacted hundreds of thousands of students, I hope. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue to do that because it's driven 
the focus on, let's look and see who our students really are. And um, so I'm a big data person. But one of the changes that I've also seen, which isn't a good change, a couple of things. One is a decreased funding from state and feds for public education over time uh, in Texas. Um, at one time, the state supported 62% of our budget, if I'm remembering that right, in K-12. And now it's down, it was down to 28. It may be back up to low 30% now. Uh, so less investment by our state leadership, as well as a push to profitization and privatization uh, in, you know, in charters and vouchers and really separating public schools from private uh, profitization. And I'm heavily opposed to that. There's so much money, though, in public ed. And those people are large donors to political uh, candidates. So it's really challenging to separate all that out. And maybe I'm throwing more at you than you want right now. Oh, it's it's all interconnected. Yeah, the funding is a huge part of the public schools. And on the other side, there's also the performance. And uh, like you mentioned, how disconnect our public school system from the uh, college system, because they're two separate systems. Let me back up to though and talk about another concern in particularly in the K-12 system is the push for accountability. And I don't know what the accountability system is like where you live in Seattle. But in Texas, it has over time grown to be very almost punitive and very focused on almost creating failure for schools, failure for children. And there are certainly ways to look at student performance that don't do that. And to have a high stakes test on one day or one week, and you rank schools based on on that, you rank uh, students based on that, you prove to them they can't be successful uh, through the systems that we have developed. Now, they're going to be successful in all sorts of ways, but we don't measure all sorts of ways. We measure how do they perform in Texas on the star test right now. Yeah. And I, you know, again, part of that push is profitability because there's a lot of money to be made there. And we kind of talk about that a little bit in the interview with Seth Godin. Um, But it's, that is not a good push for developing creative problem solving learners who will fix our problems for the future and and take care of themselves and be and be good citizens. I don't think you should tie teachers or schools fundings to student performance because all kids are different, all student populations are different. Um, you're almost setting up the schools to battle against one another to compete instead of a let's all make this you know better for everyone. Yeah. So in your thoughts, what are a parent's concern nowadays? I mean, like the world has changed so fast. I have the parents actually tell me that uh, she's a contractor at Microsoft 
And if she looked around and if she was like asking herself this question, I don't know if my kid graduated from public schools will get a job at a Microsoft because everyone in her team, they're all from other countries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think public schools can create wonderful, competitive uh, thinkers, learners, workers. I think that is the point of public schools is to do that. If they're not doing them, uh, run for school board (laughs) (laughs) or get her to run for school board. Um, You know, your, of course, your system may be set up slightly different than, than mine is here uh, or ours in Texas, but uh, hold your schools accountable. And if you, if you, yeah, you've, okay, you've maybe you've got a school of, I don't know, 500 students. That's a lot of parents to please, right? You can't please everyone. Mm-hmm. But you can you can make some good uh, discussion points. You know, look at the data, but again, don't overly focus on that standardized test. Yeah. Are the kids coming home, exci- are they going to school excited to learn? This last year, yeah, it's a different ballpark. Yeah. But moving forward, are those systems set up so that uh, it's a safe environment, number one? Uh, number two, it's a good learning environment. The, the students feel comfortable. They they don't feel overly pressured on the tests and such. Uh, they're not inundated with homework uh, just for homework's sake. But but there's there's all sorts of ways to get a feel for a school when you walk into it. Uh, if you're there volunteering, you know, you've you've got a lot more exposure than the average parent, maybe. Um, and just politely question some of the actions. Uh, certainly, you know, our process has always been, if you have an issue, go to the teacher. If you don't get that resolved, talk to the principal, then talk to the, you know, whatever the next level is. And ultimately, if you have a concern, go to the school board. Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you have concerns or your support, do the same thing for the things that we really like this. So it's not always just complaining, but it's like yeah. we really appreciate that you're flexible here, but we don't like this kind of thing, kind of a balance. Yeah. Thank you for good advice. That's important <laughs> to remind myself. Again, the episode that I listened, the interview that you had with Seth, I'm actually really curious about what was the, the reasons that you decided to interview him and why now? Well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, actually, Maria and I connected. She was one of my coaches through the podcasting fellowship, Pod4, uh, through Akimbo that Seth um, set up. And I've always admired his work around lots of different things, but uh, his treatise on public education, uh, Stop Stealing Dreams, is a really uncomfortable one for some people. And I think it's really important though, that people look at that, that maybe we, the system we have established isn't doing the best for our kids, which also means it's not doing the best for our communities or for our future leaders or for our future workforce. We need problem solvers. We need really good critical thinkers. Uh, We need collaborators. We need creators. Uh, All those things that I think we we hurt through some of the focus in our systems now. 
I still believe public education is the direction or the is the solution to all these things. It's not the problem, it's the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes there are some things we might need to tweak. Right now, uh, honestly, Maria and I decided to do this last summer and we put together our list of questions in August. So we finally got around to emailing Seth and he immediately said, sure. <laughs> he gave a wonderful interview, wonderful, thoughtful, sweet interview. He's the kindest gentleman. And he's such a good thinker. And for me, I wanted to do it right now to get it out there during legislative session in Texas, because I wanted some leaders to be asking those same questions. What is school for? And, you know, again, he simplifies it so, so well. What is school for and why why are we concerned about, you know, some things that we shouldn't be concerned about and focused on things we shouldn't be focused on? And how do we create more learners? Thank you for uh, filling me in on that. And yeah, when you mentioned that we need more critical thinkers, we need problem solvers. So do you think our public schools are doing that well? I think they're doing it. Well, but not as well as they could. I Honestly, I think an increase in math learning is important. I'm a big math and science person. I think all students need math, science, coding, all the above. Um, but they need it earlier and longer. Uh, you know, there's no reason your fourth grader can't be doing more in math. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they're doing great stuff. But I've seen... <laughs> That, you know, and if kids don't take, I mean, there was a study in Texas that if kids don't take algebra in the eighth grade, correct? I think that's right. Then they will never um, finish, you know, a higher level of math. You know, Seth's question is, why are we teaching calculus instead of teaching statistics? Even my son, who's a math major, you know, he has graduate degree in math, says he never uses calculus. Now, does he use statistics? Sure. Uh, you know, so I think just questioning what we're teaching and why we're teaching it and maybe rethinking that is important. Um, and, and problem-based learning, you know, all those kind of things that I know some schools are doing. There are a lot of great tools out there, a lot of great writing, get the focus off the test. And I think public schools can fill the bill for all the needs of our society. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm curious, what do you think a school is for? Now you threw that right back at me, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, I mean, I've sort of articulated it already. School is for creating opportunity to develop uh, access to to future opportunity for yourself or for the student uh, to be that critical thinker, that problem solver, that creative individual who can help figure out, you know, what problems need to be solved. You know, Seth talks about the jobs you do where you're told what to do, and those can be outsourced. Or the jobs where you figure out what problems need to be solved. And I think that's what our society needs. That's what, certainly what I've tried to do in my in my life, or look at the problems and maybe ask us bigger questions. And, you know, that's what I've done through through my nonprofit work here. Uh, you know, it's asking those questions that 
and maybe questions that make people uncomfortable. You know, maybe some of the questions you ask at PTA need to make either the PTA people or the school leadership a little uncomfortable if you're really asking the right questions. And I think our job in public schools is to create learners who ask the right questions. Yeah, well said, Annette. If there's one thing that you wish that our school is doing really well, what would that be? Bringing every student to their full, fullest potential for learning and loving lifelong learning. I don't think we're there yet, but. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, well, for the fullest potential, there's so much in that fullest potential. And let me say one thing, both to you and to your listeners. Certainly you have stepped up and you're trying to lead here. That's what you're doing right now. Don't wait for somebody to give you permission or to ask you to lead. Just look around and see what needs to be fixed and pull together a group of folks who are like-minded and say, come on, we're going to change this together. Because when I started, people said, well, what are you going to do? Because the projections were our community was going to get poorer and less educated. And I said, I don't know, but I know what it's going to do if I do nothing. So let's figure out something we can do. And we have. Uh, There's no silver bullet for any of these challenges. Uh, They're huge systemic issues, uh, you know, to address, whether it's education, reducing poverty, equity, increasing equity. All these things are multifaceted and it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. There's a group of like-minded folks out there, you know, certainly across Texas, I'm sure in your neck of the woods, uh, you know, Maria and lots of other friends across the nation and the world who, who would agree with everything we've said here or most everything and would work to improve in their own communities and with the larger system. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Annette. Thank you for having me, Jessica. I appreciate it. In our next episode, a conversation with Valerie Lucchesi, mom of three boys from Maryland, a board member for the IMF Family Association. She will talk about her own public school education in the French part of Switzerland and the five educational system in four languages her children have gone through so far. Through her podcast, Perfect Strangers, she explores the meaning of belonging, home, culture shock, and what's in common that we all share as human beings. If you are a parent in the public schools and would like to be my guest on the show, I would love to have you. Here's how. Visit my website, jessicazo.com, and submit your request or follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you for listening and see you next time.